We are back for another episode with the Uptime Punks, and we are back in the data space, back um, in the big data and AI discussion. And we thought it would be nice to have a little look at, um, you know, especially Germany and what's going on there in terms of data. And so we have uh, an old friend um, and partner and uh, uh, yeah, Podcast also mentor in some regards. And podcast host. Uh, and podcast, podcast host, host fellow podcast yeah. host um, on, on, on air today. And um, yeah, my pleasure to introduce to you Carsten Bange, the founder and CEO of the Business Application Research Center in Würzburg, Germany. Um, Carsten, how are you today? Hey, Tim. Thanks for the intro and the invite. I'm actually doing quite well. Um, <laughs> I've had my first vacation to Austria. So it was really great to see the mountains again after such a long time being locked up a bit, or at least not able to travel really. So uh, that really lightens up the mood. Yeah, I, I, I'm really jealous here. As a, as a, as a Swiss fellow Alpine um, guy, I haven't been home in, what is it now, two years? Paul, what about you? You haven't been home. How, have you seen well, the well, I, I just wanted to add for all the football <laughs> fans out there. I think Yogi Löw and the team felt also like there was a big mountain from Hungary in front of them yesterday during the match, <laughs> which they yeah. finally got to climb at the Probably. end. They yeah, will talk minute. about football for sure. What is nice is Germany, represented by Paul, Austria, represented by Paul as well and uh, Switzerland represented by me uh, they're all they all made it to the to the knockout round right all right uh, so Carsten we want to find out who are you what are you doing besides um, going to the mountain whenever you have um, the chance to do so. Um, what, what, what's what, what's your role? What's the Business Application Research Center? How did you become the founder and CEO of that uh, enterprise? Yeah, right. So the 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 area of data and analytics always fascinated me, and the story actually goes back quite a while. So about uh, more than twenty years ago, I was um, doing my PhD in a small really nice university city called Würzburg. <laughs> and um, there at the chair for information science, we ran a test lab for BI software and published uh, reports out of that and discovered that there was a big need for that. So people really liked the independent view. So someone that is not, uh, that doesn't want to sell software to them, but really evaluates the software on an independent uh, basis. And that was the starting point of the business that um, yeah, more or less as an academic project, we did that. We published it, people liked it. They actually bought the reports. Then uh, very early on, uh, people called up, even from very large organizations like BMW, for example, was one of our first clients. Um, they called up and said, great stuff, but please come uh, in, in our company and uh, take a look at our specific situation where this software needs to be installed and, and run. And, um, and we also very early on had the idea of uh, putting on conferences, yeah? basically making this market, software market transparent to anyone that's interested. And 
more or less, that's still what we do today. So we publish research, we uh, do advisory, we consult on anything before an implementation. So it's strategy, it's data architecture, it's uh, software selection and also organizational topics. And then we also put on conferences. And one obviously is uh, one of, actually we made it to the, the biggest conference in uh, the German speaking countries, the Big Data and AI World would be one of the events we put on. Um, yeah, and that's roughly what we do. And one of the frequent questions I get is, okay, you do this, you look at the data analytics space now for 20 years as a market analyst, it doesn't get, doesn't that get boring <laughs> at some point? And my answer is always no, it's actually really an interesting space to be in. And maybe today even more so than ever before. It's, I think it's really exciting to see all the technology advances on the one side, but also, um, we, we see that it really gets strategic now for companies to be really good in data and analytics, yeah, to understand how they can uh, yeah, improve their processes using data and the analysis of data, or even change their business model or even come up with new business models that are based on, on data. So I, I would say it's, it's more exciting than ever before, actually, to, to take a look here at all the, the vendors in the space, but also what the companies are doing with data and how they can, can really uh, leverage it and um, create a competitive differentiation. So would you agree to the statement that software is eating the world? Because you're, you're from the other side of the spectrum, right? We started out in the data center space with the hardware, with the racks, with the computing power, processes getting faster, you know, high performance computing. Some would argue that is the thing that makes, you know, the technolo technological advances that you mentioned before. You may have a different opinion on that. So what, what, what's driving, what's driving this, this advancement? What, what's eating the world currently? <laughs> yeah, I, I also um, read that article. It was in the Wall Street Journal 2011 yeah, from Mark Andresen. And I, I thought it was really groundbreaking in a way, or really describing what's going on in, in such a good manner. And uh, yeah, being an, an software market analyst, obviously I couldn't agree more, <laughs> but it's basically what we see. But now what, what changed? I mean, it's, it's now it's 10th anniversary, but more or less of that article. I think now it's really data that's eating the world. Yeah? So it's really now we have a, again a shift that, um, the, the, the let's say the major advances or the, or the things that really create competitive differentiation is coming now more from data yeah? but it's not black and white I'm, I'm very certain about that but because data in itself is nothing it's just, it's just you know, nothing you can use so you need to to analyze it to make it useful and to be able to do that you need software yeah. And if you have now with the new use cases and with AI and data science taking place, you do have often very high um, requirements on, um, on hardware, yeah, on resources. You need compute resources and also often uh, storage resources. So it's all connected, obviously. And, and if you look at, I think a, a great example is the, the self-driving car that has been built by Google, but because Google is a great example because they designed one from the ground up. Uh, 
And it's not like the, the existing car manufacturers that basically, okay, they already had cars and now they try to, to make it self-driving, but they started, okay, this is something new. And they really started from the data point of view. So they understood, okay, to make it self-driving, it needs to have very powerful uh, analysis of the environment, of things going on and so on. So they created the hardware in a way that it uh, actually can process data in the best possible way. So basically, the hardware in a way is designed around the question, how can I get all that data from the surrounding? How can I process it? And basically they even built their own hardware. Yes, they, they built the hardware. Then as we all know, Google builds a lot of software, especially around machine learning and so on. But um, I think it's a great example that the data, so the, the sensors that are, are hardware, but that are acquiring a lot of the important data for self-driving, um, it's really it's really at the center of the the whole idea, and but it also I think it's also a good example how everything is is connected and, and you cannot really separate it. But if I would have to to point out what's eating the world now, it's really data and analytics because as I said, data in itself is it's more or less yeah. It's like, I think the 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 metaphor of data as oil is in in that regard is quite good. Because oil in itself is also, yeah, it's it's smelly, it's um, poisonous, it's really something you don't really want to have, actually. But what you can do out of it, that's the interesting stuff, yeah, and that's same here with data. Um, I would I would like to go back to the beginning before we continue, Tim, because yeah, no, we, we, we still haven't we still haven't identified Carsten's age. Sorry. Um, so Carsten, <laughs> what was your first mobile phone? <laughs> My first mobile phone, that's a tough question. It was definitely not a smartphone. And I think it was the, the very good old Nokia 32 something that was really popular at some point and that was in, indestructible. Yeah? It, it, went, it just went forever <laughs> and it was just a great phone. It could be that this was one of my first ones. Yeah. And, and, and then the next one is, when was your first contact with computers? Well, that was very early on since my, um, I actually come from a, a family that is, uh, we, we have a, or had, a, used to have um, a store or a company that was selling office equipment. And oh. with that, we were, so my, my father, obviously, we had one of the first IBM PC dealerships in Germany. So my first contact was actually the, the very first IBM PC in the 1980s that suddenly appeared. Maybe you have, you're too young, yeah? So maybe you've seen no, a I'm picture. No, I'm definitely too young. <laughs> <laughs> so it's super big box, yeah, with this great uh, monitor, monochrome, of course, but uh, a very large size. Yeah, <laughs> and... Um, yeah, looking at to, from today's uh, point of view, obviously with absolutely ridiculous um, uh, performance features in terms of memory. And so it, it had the Intel 8086 processor, the very first one. And uh, yeah, and, uh, and uh, already a five and a quarter floppy disk, um, which was super progressive in a way. <laughs> so, is, so is that what, what inspired you to get into sort of IT because you didn't just 
Well, you did your PhD. That's when you started getting to the big data kind of things. But what was the what was the the drive to get you into the let's call it informatic area of things, like the IT realm of things? Because so now we already discovered. So um, you come from a family where computers were there. So Carsten has seen a computer at some point in his younger mm-hmm. years, and then this was what, where you were like, "Oh, how does this thing work?" Or what really? Now, what, what really drove me into the space was that I went to Würzburg to study business administration with the yeah. ultimate aim actually to take over the family business. And um, then here in Würzburg, um, there was really a great education in information systems. Yeah? So the, the um, let's say, the crossover between informatics or computer science and business administration. And that was really inspiring and that was really good. So very early on, I started to work there as a student worker at the chair for information science and got in more and more touch with that. And at some point it was clear that um, the office equipment and office furniture space wasn't something that was really, um, yeah, would create the next century in a way. <laughs> but, um, and um, so I decided at some point that that this is a, would be yeah very interesting to stay in that space, and yeah, it developed. Yeah? So it, it's I was really interested in that. I uh, majored in it. Then I got the offer to do the PhD at the chair, and with that, I even did more projects and get more exposure to these topics. And then basically, the company was more like a spin-off from the the chair. So this is how it developed. Okay, um, and um, uh, this is one of the last questions, but we asked this to all our guests. So looking back at the last 18 months, everybody somehow found himself a COVID gadget because we all have been in lockdowns. So everybody bought themselves something that sort of gave them some sort of sanity. Um, for some, it was a pinball machine at home or it was an air purity sensor. Um, what, what was sort of for you the thing that kept you going over the last 18 months? Um, actually, maybe it wasn't one. It, it was many things, but but the gadget um, that I, I got was a new bike, actually. <laughs> so I, um, uh, I got an, uh, an electric mountain bike, and I really like it. My children think that's one of the stupidest idea ever yeah? because now I'm not a real biker anymore yeah? because I got I get help. <laughs> but I, I think it's great. <laughs> yeah, but especially for mountain bikes, which are normally quite heavy. So um, at least you don't need to kill yourself going up the hill. Um, so that's... are you a fan then of, uh, so, so what are your thoughts on Komoot? Or have you tried Komoot yet for putting any roots in place or? Haven't you reached that kind of um, when you navigate yourself? Do, do, do you plan any routes already with your mountain bike, or do you just go out in the forest and back home? Yeah, it's it's not a longer route. It's really Are you done with the long ones yet. Okay, no, we will come. No. That they will come at some point. Yes, it's really very recreational and just go out to the woods and come back same day. <laughs> now, Tim knows I always get very excited when we speak about anything to do with cycling or running. Um, that's why I'm not <laughs> Tim. It, that's that's the problem always. But yeah. Yes, you know, so, some people just enjoy it. You know, they don't make uh, they don't make. A competition out of it, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
Um, okay. Uh, so maybe back into the topical stuff. I mean, you've been doing uh, market analysis, BI software for 20 years. You think data is eating everything or data is driving anything. So what's, what's some of the coolest, most innovative, astonishing stuff you have seen companies, um, your clients maybe, do, do with data and software? With these combined powers, so what's what's making what's still making you say, "Wow, this is like really something I haven't seen yet." Yeah, so obviously there's a lot of innovation going on on the one side. On the other side, the the use cases we that that need to be covered in organizations are often not super innovative. Yeah, it's still often still okay. How can we support the decision makers better? Um, how can we create more transparency by not necessarily providing more data, but data in a better way, yeah? so we, we can support decisions better. Um, what generally um, fascinates me most is actually this whole idea around decision automation. So to let software take the decisions that humans used to to take because I think that really is something that raises a lot of questions and, and concerns on the one side. On the other side, it's it's quite fascinating because it's already been done, but it's not so clear or visible to many people. But whenever you have the situation where you have um, either too much data for any human to really to really get the head around yeah, to really comprehend or you have um, very complicated or complex relationships in data or things to consider to actually come to a decision or third criteria is criterion is um, that you need a very fast decision speed yeah? so maybe in subsecond there's something's happening and you need to take a decision what to do um, so if, if one of these three criteria or, or maybe even more than one is, um, is, is happening, then more or less, yeah, you, you have to automate the decision because a human is simply not capable anymore to do that. And to give you a practical example, to, so it's not so theoretical, um, is for example, a dynamic pricing. That's something that's happening. Actually, I, st I still think many people are not really aware of that, but a web, an, an online shop like Amazon in average is changing prices, at least for some uh, products that are on offer, sometimes even 50 or 60 times a day, so quite rapidly. And they do that obviously with a purpose. And so for more or less any online retailer that wants to compete here, it's important to more or less also do that, yeah? to be able to react or to have a pricing strategy to understand, okay, especially in, in depending on what I have on stock and my own forecast, what I, I can sell at what time, um, I need to understand what the best pricing strategy is. So I want to avoid... Um, to, to have the price too low if I can sell at higher prices. On the other hand, I, I want to avoid to um, yeah, be beaten by all my competition and not sell enough simply because Amazon has put the price just below mine and everyone that's 
comparing prices, which gets easier and easier, obviously, um, is then just taking the, the cheapest offer and that's it. Yeah. So for example, this is done extensively for electronics goods. Yeah. So that, that's what's really happening a lot mm -hmm. because it's often high priced, but also it, it's uh, more or less a commodity. Yeah, it's, you don't care from whom you buy it's just mm -hmm. something you want to to get so we buy from the cheapest uh, seller so mm -hmm. here we have an interesting situation that you have often yeah you have thousands and thousands of products on offer mm -hmm. um you want to do that at least daily or maybe even every hour you might think about adjusting the price and the the algorithm uh, what the best price point for you is, is actually depending on, on different factors. It's not, mm -hmm. there could be a very simple rule. Yeah. I want to be one pound or one euro uh, less mm -hmm. costly or cheaper than my biggest competitor. Mm -hmm. But this is a bit stupid because it doesn't take into account all the other factors. Yeah? What do I have on stock? Mm -hmm. So it's, it's a bit complicated. There are many factors to consider. So you need a lot of data to be able to have the best decision here. Mm -hmm. And, and from many um, different sources as well, right? Because exactly. you need to look at your competitor price, which is data you don't have at your yeah. own company, so it's external. And then exactly. even within your company, you look at your stock, you look at your historic prices and all that stuff. So it's many different places. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. And, and so um, I think that's a great example because that's something mm. that used to be a human, that used to be the, the job of the category manager. In a, mm -hmm. in a retailer that basically set the price. And now that's not possible anymore. So the, the role of the human here is either that it moves to someone that gets a recommendation by the software that says, okay, I looked at all the factors, I crunched all the data and the recommendation would be um, put the price at this level. Or the human is now moved into a position where the software decides itself because this needs to be done really um, independent from any intervention in a way, but the human is still very important to set the the boundaries yeah, where this mm. can can really operate. Uh, you need to find the first. The humans need to set it up, and then they have to really set very carefully the boundaries. There's these famous examples that two bots basically uh, moved up the price of a certain. I think more or less everyone has seen that example. Yeah, there was a book on offer at Amazon for uh, I think several million dollars, and the reason behind it was that basically two bots uh, increased the price yeah, every time. So they they inter uh, yeah. But this leads to another interesting uh, question here: What happens if um, if many of the participating uh, stakeholders here are starting to automate their decisions? Yeah? And mm -hmm. uh, we see this happening in the stock markets. Mm. where this is already a reality also yeah, that um, I think the majority now, depending on what market to look at, but often the majority of the buying and selling decisions are, are taken by software and yeah. automatically there's no human intervention at all. But here's a good example that um, it's important that you define the, the boundaries and guidelines of how this is working. And and that's the new role basically of the human yeah, to be able to do that. So not to take the actual decision, but to make sure that the software is operating in a way that you actually get the, the output or outcome that you want. I mean, the best example was Elon Musk. No? He said Tesla is accepting Bitcoin as a payment. The Bitcoins went up through the roof. And then two weeks later, he said, you know what? 
Tesla will not accept Bitcoins anymore because they're not sustainable and green and it drops immediately again. But um, like you said, or when Ronaldo took the Pepsi bottle or the Coke bottle and put it to the side and took water mm. instead, it went all over the news and immediately the stock just got but hold, hold on. On that one, I actually read it was some... Uh... There were media who picked it up too quickly. Apparently, the price had already dropped quite considerably before he took that, those bottles, yeah, and media made a story out of it. It could be, it could be that there was more to it because there are other factors coming into play. But, but this is when somebody reads the news know? and then the prices get adjusted, and this is the bots. Mm -hmm. Bots reads yeah. Coke. Ronaldo it, drops Coke or something like this. Yeah, and, uh, it's a it's a great example because I mean all in all it shows what Carsten said before, right? It shows that we live in this high velocity, hyper hyper complex world where we're just like overwhelmed with information, and mm -hmm. then you put systems in place to help you assist that, whether it is for pricing or buying stocks or. Uh, so AI rules the world. That's what it is, and this comes back yeah. to the initial question: are, we get? are 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 we too dumb, and the computer is becoming too smart? Yeah. Well, right now it's it's not really the danger that they're too smart in a general sense. We all know that this is uh, one of the the research and development goals yeah, of many companies that they want in the end want to create an artificial intelligence that's smarter than a human. Um, and that's a big debate, yeah, whether this is going to happen. Um, but today it it's. The case is that in very specific use cases, and we see, yeah, that that you that the software is generating better results, whatever the result should be here, than a human being, and it's it's really more more of these uh, cases or, or domains or whatever where we see that. Yeah, now recently the, there was this, this this text understanding competition where now software is scoring even better than humans and so on so we see that there's one uh, one domain after the other where basically software beats us now mm. um, it's not in a in a general intelligence sense but it's really okay you know, how to to work on a very specific task what's interesting right now is i think that it's it's um that we see that also in tasks that uh, we would originally more assign to humans that we think actually we are better than machines in this, like text understanding yeah? mm -hmm. or uh, visual recognition, stuff like that. Yeah? But we see now over the last five to 10 years that more and more of these tasks or domains are, re are falling into the, the hands of the machines in a way that they simply get better at that. I think mm -hmm. that's one of the interesting advancements we see uh, over the last times mm. that now with all the sensor technology and, and the advances we have um, in, in data analysis, uh, in, in machine learning and so on, combined with the compute power we need for that. Mm. That's really the key that I think is the foundation for, for the shift we are seeing right now. Mm. So where's, where's the German-speaking part of the world uh, in all that? <laughs> we look, I mean, we look over at um, the United States, we look at, uh, you know, the, the Far East, where uh, we seem to see that these kinds of technologies are, you know, already implemented at large scale. Um, China, for example. Uh, 
what's a good example? What Tim is trying to say, has Germany missed the train? Um, I mean, um, we, we, we have... That's a suggestive lovely... question. I, I was more towards like an open question. Uh, how is no, it okay? But... Um, have we... The, the thing is, uh, G Germany was used to be known as the engineering, pioneering, invent, in, inventing nation... Um, mm. I mean, we reinvented ourselves twice in the uh, 20th century, um, and we always found a way to solve problems and all these things. So, um, and now it seems like our um, people on the other side of the pond, when it comes to software, they're leading the world because all the big tech companies are there, or they're all the way in the Far East. And I think now with the crisis, the pandemic we had, it was quite clear because um, in the Far East, they had an app with track and trace up and running within uh, I think 72 hours because they just put it onto WeChat and then with artificial intelligence it was basically tracking people um, <laughs> how data compliant it is that's a different question because in Germany probably you would need to fill out 500 different forms before you will be allowed to put any app on anybody's phone um, but I think the general question is um, uh, how far are we behind? And um, I think we're behind on every aspect. If it's the automotive sector, when it's the electric cars, um, if it's IoT, if it's uh, even if I look at data center infrastructures, sorry to all the data center people out there, hot aisle and cold aisles, is, this doesn't exist anywhere else apart from central Germany, for example, because people otherwise in the world, they just cool it with water. Um, that's how you do it now in the 21st century. But um, coming back to this, Carsten, what is your, what do you think? Do we still have a chance? And if we have a chance, who, who are our best horses in the race? Who are the, like, what do you say is the flagship German big data and AI companies where you say, well, they really do a good job here? Okay. Yeah, again, I think this is obviously a, um, a bit of an emotional topic, but it's also not so easy yeah, to just say, well, you missed the train and so on. Yeah. Because first of all, my, um, my belief is that uh, any country in the world has uh, very smart people. Yeah? So it's not about so First of all, I think, and and the the German education system is not not the worst in the world. It's probably not the best, but it's a very um, German thing to say. It's not the worst in the world. Yeah, but but <laughs> so first of all, I think there is definitely potential, yeah? and there's a good education in informatics, and uh, and if you look a little bit behind the scenes, actually some of the innovation also has come out of Germany. I think what. What is a bit more the problem is actually to create large companies around that or from all this innovation and from all this uh, brain power in a way that we have. I think that's the, the key weakness here where especially in the US, um, that's the true strength yeah, to create these ecosystems where you have um, yeah, money available um, also with pretty high risk factors. So, I mean, you, we all see these, the, the great examples. What maybe many people don't see is how much money is also just wasted yeah, with companies that do not succeed. But this belongs together in a way. Yeah? So to have this one really, really great succeeding company that is taking over the world in a specific segment, um, yeah, there, there are at least 10, I would say, that also fail to do so, where the investors lost a lot of money. And so, so I think that's one side of the equation. Um, and 
it's it's a bit of a mentality topic also. Yeah, that's one of the key aspects actually. When we I I discuss this topic actually a lot because it concerns me also. Yeah, I also ask this question a lot. Yeah, how how can that be? That we are as a market analyst, we we mostly I would say eighty percent we look at uh, software vendors from the US. And um, so the big question is how can that be considering that that the 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 distribution of brain power is pretty equal. Yeah. So, and it's really the company built. And, and so this is one. And the second one is that it's a bit of a, uh, a mindset. It's a bit of um, how people react to new things and how, how risk aware uh, they are. And this is something that really bothers a lot of German software vendors is that the, the, the potential buyers they have locally are so risk averse. Yeah? They always see the problems. Okay, do, should I invest in this small vendor? So size, yeah, size is a big topic when I invest in software. Or yeah, could, could it be that they are still around in five years? Yeah? Obviously a young company in the software space, you say, well, we don't know. It's just as, as easy as that. If we are honest, we don't know. And um, so this is something that, that I, I hear this so many times that it's basically in the US is much easier to, to sell a new idea and to sell a new type of software. So you find more people that are willing to invest also. If it's in a way personally for them, it could be considered a risk, but in, in, in the Anglo-Saxon world, obviously it's not as much a risk. It's more a cool thing yeah, to try something new, to, to be innovative uh, with all the risk that comes with it. And here you have more like the, the mindset, ooh, let's, let's be careful. And um, my, my career could be on the line here if this vendor went bust and I, I, I was responsible for the decision to buy it. Yeah? So mindset is also something and obviously something we cannot really change. So that's something we have to work with. And, and the, if we look at the other side uh, to the east, um, firstly, China has two aspects. One is massive government funding. So they really invest massively. And I know I've even met now, they invest in everything, but they even they even more or less uh, attract and you could say buy um, German professors yeah, to go over there and educate. And so they, they have a massive investment going on that is obviously not matched uh, with what, what Germany does and, and cannot possibly even be matched. Yeah, if you look at the size of the country and the economy um, and uh, secondly, um, what's also an advantage is they have so much data. It's just they it's it's definitely less data protection. Um, if you look at personal data, it's actually even the opposite. Yeah, here we are. Um, it's not allowed to collect personal data in China. Companies are obliged to do that. Yeah? They have to because the state at some points wants to maybe have access to that. And so it's completely different. So if you look at some examples where you say, okay, we need a lot of data to train machine learning um, models. Sometimes it's a bit of an advantage if you just have so much people, so much customers. Um, so that could also be an, an, a point. Yeah? So ah, you ask about interesting examples. It's for us as a market analyst, it's always a bit difficult to highlight uh, single um, companies because there are always so many others that are also great. But if you look, just look at the, um, what we obviously find quite interesting is in our space, there's now even a unicorn, it's, it's Celonis, that's a process mining company. So, um, and this is maybe something that is um, not a big surprise that this came out of Germany because it's really based, uh, 
the fundamentals here is the the need or the desire to analyze processes yeah so to be very rigid here very structured and to to have this idea okay i have processes yeah we have sap uh, obviously as as a market leader in erp and here the idea was also around business processes so to come up with a standard um, business process in a way um, which was revolutionary at that time, and but it also needed a lot of diligent work, yeah, to come up with something like that. And, and so I would say this whole process area and how to to standardize this, how to analyze it, how to improve it, um, that's something that seems to be a bit German, yeah, to to um, to to look at that and maybe also have the patience <laughs> to do it or the willingness, uh, yeah, to really look at it in detail. So that might be an example where we a market segment where um, we have a leading company coming out of Germany. Unfortunately, there are not too many of these segments <laughs> that we we could identify or name. And the second one where I wouldn't agree completely, Paul, with what you said um, is um, still we still have a chance in in all the machine building uh, IoT cases, um, not only automotive but uh, all the other machine building industry where many German companies are, are world class or, or leading uh, worldwide and. Um, it's it's true that we are behind. Yeah? So the, the German automotive manufacturers um, more or less openly admit that also that they say maybe it's now like two two years behind Tesla in many ways. Yeah. So, but I think they are picking up, and there's still a bit of an advantage. Yeah. To to build, to do this in scale in the end yeah? to really be able to scale this up. This is something that. Um, I think might be an advantage here. Yeah. So I wouldn't write it off the German industry yet. <laughs> I would still think there's still a chance. Um, for others, it's also early stage. Yeah. They, they might have an advantage. There might be the early movers. But for the, the second mover, there is an advantage to avoid uh, many of the mistakes that have been made and see um, whether we, we can catch up or maybe find better ways, you know, find other ways where, where it can be still improved, be improved. And so the, the German engineering, I think, is also a lot around improving. It's not always coming up with the best idea first, but it's, it's a lot around improving ideas. And I don't know, a personal example is always go to the US and, and look at the home appliances. You know? For us as a German, this is like just a complete nightmare. What you get is a dishwasher there or a stove or so. It, it looks like medieval to us because it's just, but it, it needs someone that is is really, I actually have an employee that you used to work at a dishwasher manufacturer. Yeah? And they were really <laughs> testing this for years and years and trying to improve all the little bits, Yeah, how to come up with a, a better result here. And so maybe that's also something that is, is telling a bit. Yeah? about the, the culture of innovation. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So some some other doing like the innovation and then the Germans step in and say, okay, nice work. Now let's 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 perfect it. Let's make exactly. it perfect. Yeah. yeah. It's a it's 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 a good role, to be honest, if you if you look at that like this. I, and, and, and also uh, <laughs> living in the UK since three years, I think you don't need to go as far as to the US to 
you know, spot the difference. <laughs> Sorry, a little sidekick here. Um, yes, great. Um, so, so we cover quite a lot of stuff. And I think we're coming to an end because yeah, we yeah. want to keep it juicy for the listeners. Um, yeah, it's that minute 38, right? Where, where people normally... Uh, yeah, where people normally switch off. However, I want to give Carsten also a chance to speak maybe a little bit about his own podcast, uh, which is, I think, German-speaking, though. Um, so I don't know how interesting it will be for the... <laughs> but maybe it'd be interesting for the German speakers. Maybe yeah. at some point we, we do it in, yeah. But if you're in Germany, yeah, check out what Bach does. We do a lot. We, we run a lot of research that we publish in written form or we talk about it, run in webinars around it. And um, so I think that if you're interested in data analytics, um, there's a lot we, we have on offer and would be great to interact there. Yeah, great. Okay, it was a pleasure having you, Carsten, here. Uh, any last words for the generations to come? Yeah, look at data. Um, that's really eating the world in the future. So I think whatever you do, actually, it doesn't matter yeah, whether you want to become a, a doctor in medicine and in, in physics, whatever. Um, any job of the future, I think, maybe not any, but, but almost any, will have something, some relation to data and data analytics. Um, so it's, it's uh, the topic of this century. Okay. Thank you very much. It was a pleasure having you. Thank you, Carson. Thanks, Carson. Thank Bye -bye. you.